0: If you've ever stubbed your toe, you understand this scripture, because if you've ever stubbed your toe hard enough, all the members of the body react, because you will then bend down and your hand will grab your toe, your other foot will hold you steady, and uh, you will begin to say things, hopefully not ungodly things. But the body works together. Uh, And so as a church body, we need to work together. Uh, Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 4 through 5, that just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. If you've ever seen any of our, um, and I know you have, any of our uh, coins in America, there's a little phrase that says, E pluribus unum, out of many one. And it's a reminder to, should be to us as a nation, that this nation is built of all races, all religions, all creeds. But then if that's the case, how even more so is the body of Christ out of many one? As believers, not just as salvationists, but as believers, universally, all around the world, we are members of his body. And what is his body? It's the church. Don't ever say, this is, or point to this building and say, that's my church. It's not. This is just the building. We are the church. The church is a body a living body, it's not a program, it's not an organization. For the organs of your body to fulfill their purpose, they have to be connected to your body. You remember the, you, the little thing we used to say about this bone connected to this bone and this It's true of us. We are connected. God has a special role for each one of you to play. It's not just for the, the preacher or the song leader or the Sunday school teacher. All people, are involved in this. One paraphrase of Romans 12 says, each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body, but as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? You know, none of us in here should be seen as uh, lone ranger christians where we just go out and do it all we need one another if a part of your body is cut off from the rest what does it begin to do immediately it begins to die one of the things that covid has taught us is the need even for me as an introvert uh, to be around other people we need one another and yes, it's great that we have this technology that we can still be a part of the, the core and still watch uh, uh, you know, the preaching and the teaching, but that still is not the same as being connected one with another. In fact, for most believers, the first sign that they are uh, backsliding is inconsistent attendance at worship services and other church functions. Why? Because they begin to go away from the body. Now, this is not a sermon. Please hear me where I'm telling you, you better come to church on Sunday. I don't do that. I've I've even had people come to me and apologize. I'm sorry I wasn't here. Don't do that to me. I'm not here to be your, I'm not a Pharisee, okay? Uh, But all I'm saying is God does put a high priority on the fellowship of believers. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus even said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it football season is here thank God and um, one of the things that when you read Matthew 16 verse 18 we have to what God what Jesus is saying is church you're on the offense so many times we're on the defense but Jesus is saying church you're supposed to go out there and make it happen with my power, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In other words, we should see hell as defending itself. So many times, though, we see the church as defending itself. The Bible calls the church the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. I can't imagine anyone saying to Jesus, I love you, but I dislike your wife. Or I accept you, Lord, but I reject your body. But we do this whenever we dismiss or demean or even, hear hear me here, complain about our local body, our local church. Instead of complaining about the church, we really should pray for the church. And what I mean is each other. God even commands us to love the church as much as Jesus does. 2 Peter 2 verse 17 We are instructed to love the brotherhood of believers. In other words, love your fellow church members just as Jesus does. Unfortunately, many Christians use the church, but they don't really love the church. Many people believe you can be a good Christian without joining or even attending a church. But God would not agree. I'm going to share with you a few reasons why we need each other. The sermon titled, We Are Family. Now, knowing this core, I realize many of you really are family. Like 75% of you. But the great thing about a church is that it's not just blood. It's spiritual. It's eternal. A church family identifies you as a genuine believer. John 13, verse 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When we come together in love as a church family from different backgrounds, different uh, races, different social status, it's a powerful witness to the world. The church is always healthier when we don't all look the same the church is always healthier uh, when we have different languages and different backgrounds that that make up the universal body of the church and we need one another so also a church uh, family moves us out of self-centered isolation you've probably heard the the phrase no man is an island and that's true your local church, this, this core, is where you and I learn to get along in God's family. We will learn to do that till he takes us away. Now notice I said you learn, right? You do this too in your own family, in your own household as believers. Uh, somebody once said that it's the, the hardest place to be a Christian is in your own home. And I would agree whether you're all Christians or not. You see, learning how to get along is not something you automatically do. Because the first thing that we do as people is we want it our way. We become self-centered. And God uses church family and your own family and the people you work with, those are family members too, to be able to see, not in them, but in us, the places that we need to work on or where really the Holy Spirit has to work on, because we can't do it. But when we're participating as a member of a local church, you learn to care about others and share the experiences of others. What did he, what did we read there? When one part suffers, the whole part suffers. When one part uh, is has a joyful celebration, we should all celebrate. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, Every part rejoices. None of us, from the pastor all the way down to whoever, no one here should ever feel like they're alone in the body of Christ. None of us. If somebody is feeling alone, and I'm not just meaning the emotion, I mean the idea that they are somehow alone, carrying all their burdens, we are not doing our job. We are all a part of Christ's body, and no one should be made to feel like their part is not important. God expects us to give our lives for each other, and ultimately we always think of that as the ultimate sacrifice of death. But you know what I believe? I believe the hard part is living for one another. Day in and day out, through the the mundane things and through the ordinary, that we are still here for one another. Yes, God expects Christians to have the same sacrificial love, ultimately, as Jesus did for us. Also, when you're connected to a family, the church, it helps you develop spiritual muscle. I am grateful, not as a Salvation Army officer, but as a believer that I was a part of a church, and am part of a church, that taught me the Bible, that taught me what the Ten Commandments were, that taught me the doctrines, that taught me uh, what, what Jesus meant when he said, love your enemies. I'm thankful for corps cadets and junior soldiers and all these great programs that we offer. For what? To teach the Word of God. It helps us to grow. Now, you don't just grow as a believer just by going to your worship service and being a passive spectator. How do we build spiritual muscle? We participate. We participate in the full life of your local church. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.16, under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't it interesting that Paul mentions this in many of his epistles? It's not just to the Corinthians, but it's to the Ephesians, it's to the Romans. We develop spiritual muscle when we participate in our local family. If we are growing spiritual muscle, it will show in the relationships that we have with each other. You see, it's it's easy to fool ourselves into thinking we are mature if there's no one to hold us accountable. One uh, pastor uh, once said that you can tell Christians not by how they act, but how they react. It's not how we act, it's how we react when someone cuts us off on the highway or gossips about us or or just does something that hurts our feelings please understand when i say this you need more than the bible in order to grow you need other believers we need people who are wiser than us and yes there's people who are wiser than you there's people who are wiser than me much much wiser we develop spiritual muscle faster by gleaning from them by learning from each other being accountable to each other and accountability friends is a two-way street if you are only if you're the one only being accountable that's not accountability you need a church family i need a church family because the body of christ needs you god has a role for you to play now we say a role what i mean is you have a ministry You don't have to be the corps sergeant major or the pastor to have a ministry. All God's people have a ministry. You know, you know what we used to call jobs? We used to say, that's my vocation. You know what vocation really means? You get down to the, 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 the original term, it means that was your calling. And you know what? There are people who are called uh, to, to construction work. You ever notice uh, when Solomon is building the temple, or he didn't build it, he had other people build it, all those other people that are named, and they're not named because they're giving these great sermons. They're named because they can carve wood real well, or they knew how to take gold and make it into certain objects. That was their ministry. And God decided it was so important that he would name them in Scripture. So, friends, it's it's not just the the pastor that has the great and and honorable job. It's every one of us. Your local church, if you claim this as your local church, this is the place God designed for you to discover, develop, and use your spiritual gifts. You know, for the first time that I can think of... uh, In my officership, and and, uh, all officers have this, this little paper will come around once a year. And will basically say, how you doing? How's everything going? And for the first time ever, on this little sheet of paper, it asks this question. What is your spiritual gift? So maybe after 155 years, we are now concerned about people's spiritual gifts. Friends, if, if you don't know your spiritual gift, I would invite you to pray and ask God, what is my spiritual gift? Because I guarantee you, as if you are a believer, you have at least one. A gift, not for you, but for the church, for the body to work in. God worked through Christ's physical body while he was on earth, and today he uses his spiritual body, he uses the Holy Spirit. And even so, the church, you and I, are God's instrument here on earth. Ephesians 2.10 says, He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work He does, the good work He has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. We don't work to be saved, but we work because we are saved. And I would say also, uh, and I say this in closing, a church family will keep you from backsliding. Now, I know some people don't believe That you can backslide. But I've met some that have. There's not one Christian, though, who is immune to temptation. And let me say this to you. Given the right situation, you and I are capable of horrible, horrible things. You and I, without the Holy Spirit helping us, living in us, reminding us of God's word, We are capable of any sin. So the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the human heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? God knows this. So he assigned us brothers and sisters in Christ with the responsibility of keeping one another accountable. Never make the mistake Never make the mistake to think that we are above certain sins. But for the grace of God, go I. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews 3 verse 13 to encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I heard an interesting, um, uh, or read uh, a few years back in one of Chuck Swindoll's books, this very respectable pastor was, was getting up in years, and at his retirement uh, celebration from his church, he prayed a prayer that many people just thought astounding. He, he actually just said, Lord, please keep this old man from becoming bitter. And you know what I think is as as we grow and as we get older and life does things to us and we have scars from from life and dealing with people, one of the temptations for us is not to go out and commit murder or adultery, is to become bitter, Is to, to, to be a believer but not be able to bear fruit. The Bible mentions this, this root of bitterness, and that's why forgiveness is so important. Now, forgiveness is tough because it's not requiring anything else from the other person. It's not requiring justice. It is saying, I am releasing my bitterness. When you forgive someone, as Max Lucado likes to say, it's like taking the keys and unlocking the prison doors and realizing you're the one that's being set free. When you don't forgive and you allow bitterness to grow, he says basically it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Now, we live in a world where we say to people, uh, what I deal with is none of your business and I'll sin how I want. Uh, It's like the old country and western song that that said, uh, the Lord knows I'm drinking and drinking ain't right. But who are you to go tell? You know, he tells this, little, this lady, uh, I think his name was Kyle Smith. He said, you know, I know it's not right to drink, but who are you to go tell on me? And after this is all done, me and the Lord will have a good talk tonight. But as believers, we are called to having people hold us accountable. Now, I don't mean anybody. It should be someone that you know, and they should know you, and, and we're, we're both in agreement That, hey, from time to time, we can say, how's your spiritual life? How are things with you? If you and I bear the name Christian, for those of you who have close relationships with others, it is your business to keep them from sinning any further and restoring them into the kingdom of God. Even Galatians chapter 6 reminds us that. In fact, James 5 verse 19 gives us direction to do that it is our business to bring people who have wandered from church back into the church our local church this this core needs to be a place uh, where everybody is is comfortable worshiping this needs to be a place where relationships can be restored and renewed and strengthened satan loves when believers become detached from church A.W. Tozer says that it's the the sheep that wanders off from the fold that's easily destroyed by the wolf, not the one that stays close to the shepherd. It is vital to our spiritual well-being to be connected to a Christian fellowship. When you're unplugged from the life of the body, And you're isolated from God's family. Because, you know, that's what we do when we get hurt. You ever seen a dog to get get hurt? You know, maybe they get hit by a car. They don't die, but, you know, they kind of start limping away. And you learn very quickly you can't run off, run up to them and try to deal with them because they'll bite you. And you're thinking, you know, I would never do that. But let's face it, when we get hurt, we become the mean dog. And we say, you know what? Don't come around me. I'll bite your head off. Friends, this has to be a place, or we have to be a people, where we're okay to not be offended when someone is hurt. And we can say, you know what? I know you're hurting. Take whatever time you need, but just know I'm here for you. You know what we all need when we get hurt sometimes? we We just need some time. We need time to heal. And even when we want to isolate and we want to run off into our cave and, and get mad, it's still nice to know, even when we're in that place, and, and, and what, do we, what, does, what do people say now, when we're in our feelings, it's still nice to know that there are people who are ready and willing to take us back and to say, hey, it's okay. I've heard people say, I don't know how you make it without a church family. I do know how they do it. They just go somewhere else where, you know, maybe they find addiction uh, as a way to cope or uh, an unhealthy relationship. or There's so many other different ways to cope, but the most healthiest way, the, 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 the way God intended for us to deal with hurt and pain is through our local Fellowship. And friends, the difference between a church attender and a church member is one thing commitment. Attenders are people who like, they go to the sporting events and they sit in the stands, but they never quite get involved. Attenders, church attenders, want the benefits of a church without sharing the responsibility. This is like people who want to live together without committing to marriage. Why is it so important to join a local church family? Because one thing, it proves you're committed to your spiritual brothers and sisters in action, not just in words. You and I can spend a lifetime searching for the perfect core, the perfect church. Let me go ahead and tell you, there ain't one. God calls each of us to love imperfect sinners because we're all imperfect sinners saved by grace. You become a Christian when you commit yourself to Christ, but you become a church member by committing yourself to a specific group of believers. I would invite you to just think of, just in your own heart and mind, think of your relationship with the people in this core think of the people uh, that maybe aren't here anymore maybe they have been hurt maybe they've gone off to another church but friends when you feel the temptation and we all feel like this sometimes that we want to tear down or we want to gossip about someone ask God to give us the strength because sometimes we need the strength just to pray for people but to pray for people to lift them up we all need one another And our church can grow spiritually if we show others that we love and care for each other. That's our responsibility. None of us are perfect. No matter how long you've known the Lord, none of us are perfect. We need each other to encourage each other as we grow, to mature, to be the Christians that God has called us to be. As the pianist plays, uh, I would just invite you Uh, whether it be at the altar or at your seat, to pray for your core. And when I say pray for your core, I mean one another, that God may be glorified in how we treat one another. And let's not forget Jesus' words. Jesus said to his disciples, The world will know you're my disciples if you love one another.